0: Are we, all of us, taking flooding and climate change seriously? That's one of the questions being posed on the programme this week.
1: If we're going to get more exceptional weather events like this, then we need to be better prepared. We can't let events like this happen.
2: It's not just the losing of the crop, it's the contamination of the soil and all of those things. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Good morning. We will hear from Sean Sparling and Openfield's Jerome Fielder as usual later in the programme, but I'm starting this week with that issue of flooding. In Lincolnshire, at Wainfleet, two and a half months' worth of rain fell in a matter of hours. It led to the evacuation of hundreds of homes. Indeed, some homeowners are only now being allowed back in this weekend, well over a week since the bank of the river Steeping was breached. It's left eighteen farms under water, that's acres, of crops destroyed. And the understandable efforts to stop water hitting homes has caused problems for farms further upstream. Well, it was the main talking point at this year's Lincolnshire show where I caught up with Simon Fisher of the NFU. There's a significant area of farmland down there, we think, um, in what I've called
1: the Wainfleet Triangle. It's the Wainfleet Common Area, probably got 550 acres of ground that's flooded. I was in there yesterday. Uh, the crops in there are dying off, the wheat's going pale, which says it's dying. Um, there's other fields where you can see the seagulls are sitting there munching up the dead worms that are coming up. So there's a very waterlogged area in there. It's going down slowly, the, cro- uh, the tram lines have appeared in some of the fields again. So it's, it's, it's getting there, but it's just the time and I'm afraid we've probably lost most of the cropping in there, which is a significant area. Uh, more concern at the moment is that just north of uh, the uh, breach in the other side of the cut. Uh, what I'm calling Thorpe St Peter area. The water levels in there have been rising for the last two days and some sort of connection between the efforts to get Waynefleet dry um, and the probably not getting as much water pumped out of there as there was. So uh, yesterday we had to press buttons in the uh, in the system to say can we have some more pumping devoted to trying to dry out Thorpe so I'll stop it and lower it again because otherwise we'll just be facing with other crops dying in there and um, the uh, the other area of concern is down by the Haven, um, down by Haven House Station, where we've got potato crops growing and uh, uh, they're, they're, they're starting to wilt and die. So there's pressure on those, and the wheat crops are looking pale, so they're dying. So yeah, after a week, we've got starting to see fairly significant <laughs> losses of crops, um, which is going to be quite a severe financial knock to the farmers concerned. That's
0: it. We talk a lot about you know property and, and property and lives. They need saving first and yeah. foremost but he, this is a devastating effect and, uh, It's an, already it's a devastating event. time for farming isn't yeah, it? yeah. it's an
1: exceptional event uh, farming's not it's always, it's always a challenge um, but you know we're, we're quite used to putting up with uh, equal amounts of sun and rain uh, when you get too much rain or you get too much sun and we don't forget only a fortnight three weeks ago we were almost in a drought situation that has totally reversed albeit the water supply necessarily hasn't, but we got, you know, two months worth of rain in two or three days. um, And the the system just can't cope with that, especially with the... And I think this is a sort of climate change issue that we've got coming forward is that... uh, Accepting that there are changes in the way the climate is operating, if we're going to get more exceptional weather events like this, then we need to be better prepared. And the system of flood defence we've got in this country, and and indeed the whole of the Fenland area uh, relies on that, it's absolutely vital that that what we've got is maintained and kept to a standard that can deal with things. Okay, if exceptional events mean we get problems, then that's fair enough, but if we don't, and there's a lot of farmer speculation in this area that the maintenance of that uh, particular cut has been neglected for too long. Um, it's never been desilted in 50 years. You can see reeds growing in the middle. Well, that means there's only about 18 inches depth of water. No wonder it's filled up and overtopped and breached. So th- there are there are. If you you know, 50 years ago they built this cut to relieve flooding in the area. It's not relieved at this time. So anybody who lives in Wainfleet uh, and the farmers, and that includes the farmers there, are going to be want- are wanting to see. From the, res- from the end of this is to actually say well okay how did this happen why did it happen and what do we do to stop it in the future
0: can we talk badgers there's been a lot of discussion as to yeah. whether badgers may be partly to blame because I know a few years back there was a discussion about the environment agency spending a lot of money trying to set up uh,
1: 300,000 sort of, pound yeah. um, badger artificial badger yeah. set which the badgers didn't move into yeah um yeah, there are um, one of the one of the more uh, academic stalwarts of the farming community, Rex Sly, mentioned in a Twitter Twitter feed the other day that in the old days it was a criminal offence to allow anything to burrow into a bank, a sea bank, or a river bank, uh, and that should be the same state of mind. Fully accept there's a need to make sure that we protect our uh, that we protect our wildlife and we encourage it and enhance it. But when it puts people's lives, property and businesses in danger, uh, and the whole of the Fenland area, and this is, you know, we're just living with a small area of the Fen here, you think about the whole of the Fen right around the Wash or all the way around to Norfolk. Uh, when, you think, when you look at that and say, right, OK, what, what have we got to protect in there? Um, the popular figure is that uh, it's about 4% of the agricultural production the land area that produces ag- uh, food in this country, and it produces 7% of what we eat, um, which uh, needs needs properly protecting and maintaining. And I think this is a longer-term issue we've got to take up with people like the Environment Agency and DEFRA and Treasury, who fund it, uh, to make sure that what we've got there in terms of defence is maintained properly and kept up to a standard that can deal with most of the issues. And all right, we've got a climate change problem coming at us and sea levels are rising and there's going to have to be other solutions found maybe. But at the moment, we ought to be making sure that what is there to protect us is protecting us, is maintained and protecting as well.
0: That's Simon Fisher of the National Farmers Union. He has questions about just what happened. And I know the CLA are asking their own questions as well. Mark Tufnell is its vice president. A lot of our members are suffering hugely. The 200
3: millimetres of rain that we've had in the last two weeks have covered significant acres of high prime commercial crop and there's been significant damage and we're going to be calling on the Secretary of State to work tirelessly with the Environment Agency to actually do some real proper work on the ground because the Environment Agency needs to work, I think, very closely with the internal drainage boards. There's a lot of work that hasn't been done on this particular river, hasn't been done on the riverbank, and if the maintenance that was needed had been done, and if the budget that should have been available had been made available, then a lot of this would not have happened.
0: It is a real issue, isn't it? It's devastating for those farmers whose lands have been affected.
3: Well, it's, it's a, a huge loss to them, and. I think we've seen it in so many cases, we've seen it in the River Parrot, down in the Somerset levels. We saw it in 2007 when I was on the District Council in Cotswolds, we had flash floods there. We do need to make use of the local knowledge that the local farmers, the local drainage boards have got and bring that in with the Environment Agency. There's a lot of difficulties of governance that's happening at the moment and that we really need to put straight. And to that effect, the President of the CLA and the President of the NFU are going to be sending a joint letter to the Secretary of State to really push forward to get some proper work done going forward, because we can't let events like this happen Climate change is there, climate change is with us, and we need to work out better mitigation measures.
0: That's Mark Tufnell at the CLA. What of the government? Well, the Defence Secretary, Michael Gove, did say last weekend that whatever resources were needed would be made available to stop the steeping from flooding further. But what happens now? Is there any help for farmers? What about compensation for crops lost, for example? Well, this was Farming Minister Robert Goodwill speaking on Thursday...
4: And it didn't sound hopeful. We need to, first of all, find out what caused the breach and see what we can do to um, make sure things like that don't happen again. And I'm pleased that we had RAF resources uh, coming in to uh, plug the gap. Uh, that There is no automatic compensation system for scheme in place for farmers who uh, have uh, damage like this, whether it's through flooding or hail or, or other instances. But uh, certainly we understand the issue and we'll certainly look at what can be done to help those farmers if, if necessary. But as I said, there is no automatic compensation scheme at this time but I, I know the Environment Agency are putting in uh, tremendous resources in terms of improving the drainage in the area there's been a lot of theories bandied about us, as to what the problem was so I think we do need to find out what that is and if we do need to improve the maintenance of the infrastructure then that needs to be looked at seriously. Farming Minister Robert Goodwill looking for answers to stop future flooding
0: but unclear what help might be available to those farmers facing financial ruin right now. If that is you, if you are facing difficulty of any kind, there are people who can offer help and advice people such as the team at the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. Alison Twiddy is project manager at LRSN.
2: Do you imagine being on a small family farm with devastation that there is around um, both for the community and the associated businesses etc but also for the crops that people are planning on uh, harvesting later in the year and whether there are going to be any and what the prices and the the costs are going to be. And so it's not just the losing of the crop, it's the contamination of the soil and all of those things and there are all the associated pressures with stewardship payments that are late and the volatility of the market and that horrible B word, which we're not going to mention too much, but th- there's a lot of uncertainty out there and the weather, of course, is one of the biggest uncertainties, really. But climate change definitely is is here.
0: And it is, I mean, it's, it's a time of great change in farming, isn't it? And and m- many farmers are now saying, you know, many in agriculture are saying, look, I'm finding it difficult to cope.
2: Yes, for definite. I mean, I was speaking to someone... Uh, uh, in the north of the county earlier, and he was talking about the time of year when it always gets to him. And this year, it got to the point where it was breaking point. You know, it was lambing, it was carving, it was the end of year accounts, it was single farm payment submissions, and it was just all becoming far too much. Um, and he recognised that this is, you know, the third year that this, this has happened. Something's got to change. And there are ways that people can do different things, but it's not always easy to see the wood for the trees.
0: Offering help and not just on flooding. That's uh, Alison Twiddy at LRSN. They are there if you need them. The confidential free phone number is 0800 138 1710. That's uh, 0800 138 1710. Well, Alison touched on a few other issues concerning farming, not least Brexit, and that was also on the mind of Agriculture Minister
4: Robert Goodwill during that chat on Thursday. Well, uh, there's no doubt in my mind and no doubt uh, from the NFU representatives I've met today is that a no-deal Brexit is very damaging for the agricultural industry. Uh, That's why I voted personally three times to get the deal over the line so we could leave in an orderly way and go into the implementation period, which would allow us to uh, negotiate the deals uh, for trade and and other technical matters uh, with our European friends. So I hope we can get the uh, concessions that uh, uh, the candidates standing uh, in the leadership battle uh, are going to want so we can leave in an orderly way. No-deal Brexit is very damaging for certain sectors, particularly to the lamb sector, so we need to ensure that we do leave in a way that is actually sustainable Sustainable and deliverable for farming. Yes, we need to deliver on the referendum result, but we need to do that in a way that doesn't uh, damage our economy and our particularly our agricultural economy.
0: And what of the agriculture bill, with Prime Minister Boris Johnson or Prime Minister Jeremy Hunt on the way? and probably a change at DEFRA as
4: well, will the bill survive? Yes, absolutely. The Agriculture Bill is, is absolutely central to the way that we deliver agricultural support in the future, the way we make agriculture more sustainable. And uh, the reason we haven't been able to bring it forward yet is that um, there was some speculation that Parliament could um, be uh, prorogued is, is the official word, that we'd have a new Queen's speech. And if that were to happen, if we'd started the pro- progress of the bill again, we'd have lost all, of, all the work we'd done already so we need to make sure that we can, when we start the bill we can finish it uh, without interruption. I'm I'm looking forward to having the remaining stages of the bill, the report stage, the Lord's amendments uh, being discussed uh, as soon as possible once we get the new leader into Downing Street. There are a number of amendments that have been uh, brought forward, many of which are are worthy of attention and we're we're looking at how we can maybe word them in a a better way legally. Uh, Some of the amendments we we can't accept but that will be down to our democratic system. There will be votes in Parliament we vote in the laws but um, you know there is no government bill that can't be improved by the democratic system so I'm looking forward to how we can do that but what I can say is that one of the criticisms that was leveled very early about the bill it didn't put food production front and center so certainly I'll be looking uh, to bring forward a government amendment to reassure people uh, of something that was always the case uh, that agriculture is there to provide good nutritious food for people uh, and indeed to produce food for exporting as well today we signed uh, this week we signed a deal with China to open up beef exports again to China following the BSE crisis. So you know there are tremendous opportunities around the world uh, particularly as we get the freedom to negotiate trade deals with some of the major economies which will be delighted to enjoy our wonderful foods including uh, Lincolnshire sausages and, and the, the cheeses and all the other fantastic products that you, uh, that you produce here in Lincolnshire. Farming Minister Robert Goodwill. Hello, if
0: you're at the Lincolnshire Show in the week and came up and said hello, some very kind comments about the farming programme, including from some of you in East Yorkshire who found us once again after losing us briefly. You're more than welcome. And hi to farmer Will as well, who's grown up a bit since he was last on the radio. Good to know you there every Sunday morning, Will. Now, Sean Sparling, our agronomist, was there too. Indeed, uh, I described the show as a kind of live version of this programme because all your favourites were in attendance. Uh, Sean, did the showers bother you? Morning.
5: Yes, good morning, Sean. No, no, it makes no difference to me one way or the other, whether it's wet or whether it's dry at the Lincolnshire Show. I always enjoy every second because it's just such a happy place to be. And when I'm very fortunate this year to have been asked to commentate on the Grand Parade of Livestock again, but also the 150-year anniversary of the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society we had a machinery parade charting the evolution of farm machinery since 1869 and when you talk to exhibitors, you talk to people who brought machinery, you talk to the men from, and the ladies from the livestock sector who've travelled from every corner of the UK to show their animals at the Lincolnshire show, they all say the same thing The show, the Lincolnshire show, is so well organised. The people they're dealing with are so attentive and happy to help. And they just love coming because of that atmosphere. That just about sums it up for me, really. If you've never been to The Lincolnshire Show, you really are missing out. And let 2020 be the first time you've been, and you will not regret it. It's a great couple of days out. Loads to see, great fun, and the people are just the best in the world. So, let's move on then. Agronomy. This is where we start to get with agronomy in conditions like this. The weather is absolutely perfect for potato blight. When you've got humidity, when you've got heat, all of these things are telling you potato blight they're screaming potato blight at you so if you're growing potatoes for goodness sake make sure you're using the most robust up-to-date chemistry to control the blight there's a lot of strains which are becoming resistant now and a lot of the old chemistry will not deal with those resistant strains if they land in your field so make sure talk to your agronomist talk to your advisors and make sure you've got the right program in place now, i know how difficult it is to maintain seven and ten day interval but if it means putting another tractor on the onto the sprayer to pull the sprayer through and making some ruts make some ruts because that will pay dividends. Those ruts will cause you far fewer problems than if you allow potato blight to come in. I keep my fingers and every other extremity crossed that you keep ahead of the potato blight because once it gets in you're really down to round up and taking out areas of field. So keep your eyes peeled and keep those intervals tight if you possibly can. Winter wheat winter barley largely finished really now winter beans largely finished too um, what's noticeable in the winter wheat is the magnesium deficiency on the flag leaf? You can see them shining pale, you can see a stripe within that leaf, and that is magnesium, it's the ear drawing magnesium away from the leaf to feed the ear. Not much you can do, you could put a few bitter salts on it, cost pence, but don't be dragged into this world of putting a T4 and a T5 and a T6 fungicide on to try and control fusarium just because the weather's wet. Remember you have a cutoff of growth stage 69, that's the end of flowering on most of the fungicides. And not. Only only is it illegal to be going um, after growth stage 69 when you get into grain fill but you're wasting your time once that fusarium is in if that's your target you you can't get back at it once it's in it's in and the best you'll ever achieve as I've said before is 50% control on a perfectly timed so just watch the cutoff timing have a look at the growth stage make sure you're right for those people who've still got nitrogen to put on as a foliar treatment for the milling wheat. Just remember, you need the grain to be filling. You need sort of early milky right to be at the right stage and a lot of these wheats at the moment haven't really started to grain fill, they are still at the end of flowering so you're a bit early in a lot of cases to put that nitrogen treatment on. Peas and beans, we said they wouldn't enjoy their wet feet and they really haven't pea patches turning up where the fusarium foot rots have kicked in, there's nothing you can do about them. Spring beans we're starting to see downy mildew increase in those as well and that's because it's the same pathetite as potato blight, the weather's perfect for it. Azoxystrobin helps on downy mildew, sl 56 7A has an off-label approval. Choose your weapon wisely. But bugs and grubs, we're not seeing big levels of black aphids in beans. We're not seeing a lot of pea moth. That'll come, but just monitoring it. What we are seeing in sugar beet at the moment, we are seeing some of this bacterial leaf spot where the leaves go all crispy and brown and horrible within them. There's nothing you can do about that. Trace elements is about all you can do to correct the nutrient deficiency from wash through. But don't try and waste your money correcting a bacterial leaf spot that you can do nothing about. Let's see what next week brings Sean. It's great fun, this farming job, isn't it? It is
0: challenging, but fun, yes, on the whole anyway. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Also at the show this week was uh, Kit and Jerome from Open Field. and Jerome Fielder has the update for us this
6: week. Hi, Sean. We started the week positively with a wetter forecast in the US seeming to lift values until Tuesday, where things turned around for the worse as the US plantings report on maize improved as a percentage of planted area. Since then wheat values have headed south on both new and old crop, only halting on Friday. Looking at wheat, uncertainty is probably the key word at the moment, with so much up in the air. The market is underpinned by problems to the US corn crop. If you turn the clocks back a year, we were in a rally due to a reduced wheat crop. This year it's the opposite, where there is a problem with the maize crop, but wheat crops appear to be okay. The global wheat production forecast is up 49 million tons on the 18-19 season. Hence the view is that we will not be short of wheat. However, 20 million tons of the increase is coming from Russia, Ukraine, Canada, Australia, the US, Argentina and India. gosh that was a mouthful. Which are all facing weather issues. The EU is the one place where there isn't perceived to be any major problems on wheat. Currency is again likely to be turbulent, with speculation on who will be the country's next Prime Minister. Who knows? We could even see a general election in the not too distant future. Also in the pipeline is a G20 summit next week where the US and China can resume trade talks or continue a standoff. The view is that talks are likely to continue, with US agricultural commodities factored into any deal. The US maize planting data has been looked at with scepticism this week by the trade with plantings advanced to 92%. But what does 92% mean? Does it mean that they've planted 92% of what they intended to plant or 92% of what they know they can plant? The issue is that until we see acreage planted figures, we are unlikely to get a true representation of how much the corn acreage has dropped. November 19 futures price is now trading at £152. Any hope of a rally on old crop seems less and less likely, with a late harvest and a rally on new crop seen as the only ways to support values. Looking at barley, the barley harvest has started in France with positive results, although it's still early days. For now, sentiment in the UK is leaning toward a good crop, and consumers are not wanting to chase it for now. Whilst recent support has been witnessed in the feed complex, very recent reversals will have likely widened out premiums again. The one variable that could yet throw a curveball into the market will be the weather and forecast for high 30s degrees Celsius for France next week, which could yet influence views on the spring crop. The all seed rate market has come under pressure as plants are expected to close at the start of July for a couple of weeks. Now for your ex-farm values which are virtually unchanged from last week. Feed week values are mainly for the July position between £144 and £148 ex-farm depending on location with harvest values at £142 to £144. November values are trading between £146 and £148. Thank you, Jerome. Jerome Fielder with the latest
0: news and prices from Open Field. Now, you'll have noticed it's warmed up a bit. Well, it is nearly the end of June, but with the heat comes the threat of storms.
2: The farming programme, five day forecast.
0: Yes, we've finally seen high pressure over us. The first time this month, though, an area of low pressure is heading our way. That means a stormy week ahead. There is a warning of thunderstorms and some heavy downpours, though, just where they'll fall are unclear. Uh, today, we're looking at highs of 20. By tomorrow, they could be up to 25, maybe even 27 towards the latter end of the week. It will be muggy overnight as well, with lows generally around 16 or 17 Celsius. The winds, well, today they're from the east, gusting up to 25 miles an hour. From tomorrow, there'll be more from the south, hence the warmer temperatures, at generally around 10, but we might see the august of up to 20 in places. As I say, we're keeping a track on those storms and uh, further heavy rain that might bring some more flash flooding Uh, we'll keep you updated with the hourly forecast for now though that is the forecast Now, I mentioned briefly earlier that we know we're heading for either Prime Minister Johnson or Prime Minister Hunt, and I tried at the Lincolnshire Show to see whether the NFU or the CLA had a favoured candidate. Both were quite tight-lipped, first uh, the CLA Vice President Mark Tufnell, and then in a moment his NFU counterpart Stuart Roberts. Well, the CLA is an
3: apolitical organisation, and I'm not going to come out in favour of any of the candidates. When we get down to the final two, the CLA is going to provide a summary for its members of how each candidate stands on rural issues. And we're going to let the very small number of Conservative members make their decision. Then we will work with whoever is Prime Minister. And we're going to put forward our members'
0: interests. We will be talking to whoever becomes Prime Minister and we look forward to working with whoever that is. Both playing it safe. We'll hear much more from Stuart Roberts next week on the programme as we focus more on the issue of climate change in response to that flooding of the past week. He says it is now time to take climate change much more seriously. We'll also hear from John Smith at Louth Tractors, who says agriculture has a key part to play in it. As for a future Prime Minister Johnson, though, uh, John had this to say. Personally, not too keen. I'm not going to say any (laughs) more. You've said enough, you've said enough there. As I say, much more from John Smith and others as we discuss climate change, extreme weather and what more needs to be done and what role agriculture will play in it. That's uh, next week here on the Farming Programme. Until then, take care.